There's less pressure. I mean, I know I'm not going to the Olympics now. I've come to terms with that. <laughs> so there's a comfort and a reconciliation in being content with what I have. From performancewriters.com, this is The Collectives, where we gently put aside the experts and the training just for a little while and sit down and have some real talk with the dressage and equestrian tribe. I'm Nat Foxen, and today we're talking all about the experience of being a mature age rider. I'm joined by three fantastic 60 plus riders, Helen, Sue, and Jackie. I wonder how many of us riders believe that it'll be possible for us to ride well into our old age, like Queen Elizabeth did. I think she was still riding at 96 years old. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hi, Natalie. Hi. Great to have you here. Let's go around and do a super quick intro to get to know each other. Let's kick off with you, Sue. I rode from for 30 years from the age of 10 to the age of 40, and then I had a gap of about 14, 15 years when my children were doing a lot of sport and a lot of riding, and then I came back to it 10 years ago. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. Helen. I've been riding. I was adding it up actually about <laughs> 60 years, which is a bit scary on and off. I also had a break when I went away to London to university and I didn't ride till I came back out to Australia, actually. Yeah. And I had a job with Dr. Bernardo's and my shift and I had Tuesday and Wednesday off and nothing else to do. So I started to ride again, but it was very different, very bush riding, rodeo people and stuff so that was fun and then I came back to well I never did dressage I came and started dressage in my 40s in London when I was lucky enough to join the civil service riding club which was housed in the Royal Mews in London and that gave me a whole uh, range of experiences but yes so I decided to keep it going when I came back to Australia but it's been a bit off and on. Fantastic okay (laughs) Jackie over to you. Hi um I've been riding on and off um, for close to 50 years, I guess, and but I stopped riding for nearly 20 years due to career and moving around a fair bit, not being able to have horses, so I started again probably about 12 years ago. So, yeah, but I've had lots of injuries. Oh, no. <laughs> lots of injuries. That's and actually horse-related, by the way. Oh, uh, are they are horse-related or not? No, no, not all. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Interesting. My last two have been just not horse-related. But oh, no. out of action for nearly 18 months. So, oh, anyway. We, we will talk about some challenges of being more mature riders, but I'm interested firstly in exploring any benefits ladies to being a more mature rider please tell me there are some (laughs) (laughs) so why don't we start with you what are there any benefits that you're seeing yeah there definitely are um the ones I've jotted down are that um I'm semi-retired now, so I have more time. Um, I retired from my part-time teaching job at the end of last year, and so I'm not rushing and stressing and trying to fit in a ride in, a you know, an hour and 15 minutes, you know. Um, I mean, I still, I we still run two businesses from home and uh, I have plenty to do, but it's there's not so much pressure. So it's... Being older means that you have more time. 
Uh, my children have left home, you know, quite a few years now. So they're not a, don't have to worry about them uh, yeah. as much. Um, financially more comfortable so I can actually afford to spend a bit of money on my horse, my horse gear, um, and not feel guilty about it or yeah. scraping pennies. Um, so that's a real benefit. Sounds great. So sign me up. I'm up for all of that. <laughs> and I think probably the best thing is um, I'm motivated to ride. I always have been. And um, when I didn't ride for 14 years, I put on weight. You know, since I've got back to riding, I am 14 kilograms lighter now than I was when I first came back to it. Yeah, I was motivated I didn't want to look like a fat old woman on a pony. <laughs> but really, that really was the number one. I, yeah. And so I got fit. I started exercising. I started running. Um, and, um, yeah. So it gave you that drive, like the riding gave you the drive. Yeah. It gave me the motivation to get fit. I feel better in myself and I feel better about myself. Yeah. I didn't feel good about myself when I was carrying too much weight. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't like the muffin top look, but yeah. I was motivated enough to do anything about it. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's great. That's a benefit, I think. Plus, uh, where we live is beautiful. I love the lifestyle of having horses, animals. I love the animals. Um, and I would miss that. Yeah. I didn't yeah. ride. It is a whole lifestyle thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's great. What about you, Helen? What are the what are the benefits? It's actually a um, bag of benefits. <laughs> well, I would I would definitely um, echo all those that uh, Sue has said. Um, I feel it a success when I can actually get my leg over the saddle in the morning. That seems to be <laughs> a good thing. Uh, once I'm in the saddle, it's not so bad. Getting on and off for a challenge. Yeah. I don't spring down to the ground like I used to anymore. Be careful of my knees. Yeah. But um, I think the mental health, the emotional health, and that was very evident during COVID, that I, I am so privileged to live where I do on my five acres. I wasn't living in a two-bedroom flat homeschooling. I would have lost the will to live, I'm sure. And a lot of people would have um, not enjoyed that. But that, that notwithstanding, to be able to go up and even just be with my horses, not even riding them, just brushing them, having them a lead around, having a pick. And there's less pressure. I mean, I know I'm not going to the Olympics now. I've come to terms with that. <laughs> you know, I'm never going to play Wembley, sadly, and I'm not going to the Olympics. <laughs> so there's a comfort and a reconciliation in being content with what I have yeah. and being happy. And, you know, I've had my horse for 15 years now. We know each other inside out. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's still things to learn. Um, but it's very satisfying. There's a connection there and a love that perhaps I, I would have bypassed in my ambition when I was younger, maybe. Oh, I that's really know. interesting. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I would echo yeah. everything that, that Sue said, but I would add that I think the mental and emotional welfare I get from being around them. Yeah. And around the women that I've attracted, they are mostly women. I don't seem to bump into too many blokes around here, but, you know, we have our own little adult saddle club. Yeah. Which is very supportive and, you know, and yeah. we, we celebrate each other's small successes, which yeah, sometimes is just getting on. That's right. <laughs> Jackie, what about you? What do you see as the benefits? 
Oh, thanks, Natalie. Um, look, I, I think what Helen said, I echo their comments as well. The things that I would reflect on in addition to what they've said is that I actually find that I'm a lot wiser now and a lot more knowledgeable now. And uh, while it's, the challenge is the body's not always able to do what I'd like, but I'm able to focus a lot more on my learning and I enjoy those aspects of learning and going and watching people. I'm lucky enough that um, Brett comes up to um, Katina Smith, who's near me, well, near me an hour and a half away, but that's right. really near where I am. Mm. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's a wonderful experience. We have really good days where we have clinics and there's and the friendships that have established because of your work with people that are actually similar minded and I think that's what Helen was reflecting you sort of get these connections that really probably when I was younger you just didn't have time for because of other pressures yeah so I, I sort of find that I'm more inspired to actually work harder yeah um because I didn't I just couldn't spend the time before and I too am semi-retired I still have to work but not full-time and I just find the horses just give me so much pleasure and lifestyle as you've said um all of these things just make it a really enjoyable pastime I, I guess some reflections are I'm not as probably keen to compete as I used to be yeah. um but having said that I made the state championships about uh, five years ago oh. and uh, you know that was a big thing for me like in 40 years of riding I'd never got there and then I got to the state championships and and then you know I managed to get past being a prelim rider yeah. up to now competing at medium and training advanced so I guess it's wow. for me it's been a really you know great time which I wouldn't have been able to do in my younger years so yeah. I go yeah. lots more um, things that you can do because you're semi-retired and yeah. all of the things I think that Sue and Helen reflected on you've got more income that you don't have to feel guilty about spending on other things so yeah, oh, yeah. comments I, I'm up fast forward me 15 20 years I'm up for it <laughs> sounds so, awesome <laughs> hey guys Sorry to interrupt you, but it's Brett Parbury here, and I just wanted to pop in and say that if you're enjoying this conversation, you might like to head over to performanceriders.com slash podcast, where we list free training resources just for our podcast audiences. Find out what's available now at performanceriders.com slash podcast, and now back to the episode. Okay, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. What are you finding are uh, the challenges of riding as you get a little bit older. Helen mentioned that she's not quite sort of springing off the ground when she hops off the horse. Um, Sue, and what are you finding the challenges? Uh, yeah, I think um, we've all mentioned the physical challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't help but face up to the fact that our bodies are, are not as uh, young as they used to be. And so it does get harder physically. Um, we probably carry aches and pains that we didn't used to have. You know, I've got arthritis in my thumbs and I've got a ganglion on my wrist and not that that gives me pain, but I've also got something else in my wrist mm. and um, I've got a knee and uh, that doesn't like some things. Okay. Um, and you know, throwing wet rugs on horses in the winter down here in Victoria, it's horrible. They're heavy. Yeah. Um, and horses are hard physical work if you're having to do 
all of the care yourself. Uh, so that that's tiring. Mm. But it also, as I said before, motivates me to try and keep fit so that I can keep doing it. Yeah. Um, I try and run 3Ks twice a week and I walk and do other balance and strength and um, flexibility exercises pretty much every day that I, um, yeah, that I'm not going off to a show or something. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, the physical, um, mental challenges, I think, the whole um, I'm not as confident as I used to be when I was younger. Yeah. I was an event rider for 20-plus um, years and, you know, went round Gawler a couple of times and um, broke in horses and I guess you could say I was quite a brave rider. I'm not anymore. Um, you know, if a horse starts to get upset, I get worried. Sure had enough experiences of being spat out and hurting myself (laughs) you know you don't want to go there yeah so and there's also that loss of confidence that I guess you call it imposter syndrome when you go out to show everyone looks young and beautiful and they're riding these beautiful big moving handsome warm blood horses and you think oh I don't think I should be here yeah. Um, perhaps. But, you know, um, then you go out and get a nice score behind some some of a couple of those big, beautiful horses and you yeah. think, oh, well, maybe I wasn't so bad after all. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so does it change the way you do anything? Like do you ever feel that that, that sort of feeling of, of not belonging is enough to stop you doing anything or...? Uh, it probably makes me less confident, less willing to enter the bigger shows. Um, And maybe that's realistic, you know, Um, but we'll see. It depends on the horse you're riding Mm. and uh, where you feel you're at, your own personal level of confidence that you you can be there and not feel out of place. yeah. And do you feel that you um, carry more concern when you're writing about falling? Uh, yes. Um, like I wear a back protector all the time now, except if I'm at a show, um, just because I did get bucked off in February and fractured a vertebrae and it's just not worth taking that risk. No. Um you know, I am riding a four-and-a-half-year-old um, and he's the third one that I've started from three-and-a-half over the last ten years, <laughs> which I wouldn't advise people to do. Um, yeah, find find a nice, quite sensible older horse. Yeah, um, that's it. But, yeah, and that was my third point was um, it's hard to find a suitable horse mm. older. Um, if you still want to compete and perhaps be competitive, um, but you want something that's really sensible because temperament is, I think, the number one criteria, mm-hmm. particularly when you're So just old. Hard, hard to find that the horse with the right temperament, just not enough, you just can't find enough available to choose from? Or? 
Uh, yeah, and it's hard when you go to buy horses. You get one or maybe two rides, depends how far you've travelled. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard. You don't get to know a horse in until you've had it for a couple of months, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but that that happens at whatever age you are. Yeah. But um, assessing temperament is difficult in a short space of time. Mm, definitely. Um, and especially, as you say, if you're finding that temperament's becoming more and more important and that's so difficult to assess, yeah, in, yeah. in one or two visits, yeah. that's a challenge, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Helen, what about you? What, what are the uh, challenges apart from the non-springy dismounts? <laughs> well, I echo uh, everything Sue said, um, and there's no question. I mean, I'm battling arthritis and injuries and, you know, I had a pacemaker 18 months ago. That's taken a while to come back from. But that was a driver for me. It was like, I'm not done yet, so right. I'm going to get back on and go out to a competition and cover myself in shame, which I did. But nevertheless, I got there. You got there. And we did it. Um, But I would also counter that by saying that the muscle memory of years does help to overcome some of the stiffness things. Mm -hmm. And as Sue said, I am also motivated to go to yoga and I've just been to the gym this morning to do weights. And and that's a great thing when you're older, this sense that we should. I mean, my grandparents were done by 65. Yeah. Mm. You know, they were what I would call elderly. And I see people in their 60s and even 70s not like that now. Yes. That we do uh, overcome the, the physicality. I'm extremely lucky in that I've had a horse now, as you know, fairy for 15 years, and she's just an absolute trooper. And I can take her anywhere. I've done a lot of bush riding on her. She's not really phased by very much except small piglets and peacocks. <laughs> very specific. <laughs> very specific. But, you know, she'll go through a filter of cows and sheep. And, and so when I take her to competitions, I know that she's not going to be a problem. And I can go by myself. That's, that's, that's a, a benefit. Yeah. Uh, I've also, I, I think, though, when she's done, because she's 21 too, that I will now downsize literally. Okay. Because I do like to trail ride and getting on and off 16-1 is a lot harder than getting off 14-3. Yeah, okay. And I'm lucky enough to have a filly from Tadiana that I bred and she's just like Tats and she's just fabulous. She's a little purebred Morgan and she is fabulous. And Tadiana was competitive. I mean, most of those ribbons in the background were hers. She was an extremely good little horse. You don't have to have a big fancy warm blood. Yeah, that's right. It, 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 I couldn't ride one anyway. I mean, I own one. I can't even do sitting trot on it. It's just such a big moving horse. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. have the flexibility in my back. So that's the challenge. Um, yeah. But I'm very motivated by the Queen, God love her, on her little fell yeah. pony. You know, the Queen can do it. It's not that she was out competing. but no. um, In terms of competitions, I'm less driven by it now. And I actually, I'm a bit of a clinic junkie. I I like going to clinics and I like going because there's no pressure to perform as such. And I've been training with Brett for 20 years, I think now, Mm. on and off. He he helped me with Tatiana back in the day. Um, And I'm still learning and still improving. And that, that to me is more satisfying sometimes than coming home with a $3 ribbon. Uh, not not that I, I wouldn't like to do that. I would like to do that. I'd like to do yeah. one decent medium test, but yeah. but at the moment that's where I'm 
going towards and also I've got a granddaughter now and I want I've got this great pony I'm hoping she's going to be horsey she screamed when I took her off last week so that's a good sign she wants to get back on <laughs> well you didn't have horse... much luck with your daughters being horses, no they weren't so... they, they rode but they weren't <laughs> they weren't horsey they didn't have it didn't have the thing I'm hoping Clara will have it and also that she will be a musician but but uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> so again, and, it's kind yeah. of it sounds like the horse selection is quite an important Vital. part of overcoming some of the challenges. Yeah. It really is. And to, and to have a comfortable horse, I will say Fairy's big downside is she really it's like riding a bloody jackhammer in the trot unless she's really, really up in the back. Whereas Morgan's are like riding a sofa. Right. So that's a problem. But I know she's not gonna do anything terrible to get me off. Mm. But, but like Sue, the physicality of, of, of rugging them and filling up water troughs and, you know, yeah, all that stuff becomes more of a challenge as you get older. But it keeps us fit and you know, it keeps us strong. Yeah. Jackie, what about you? What, are, what do you find the challenges are? Well, I, I think that Sue and Helen have probably covered them very well. Um, <laughs> I feel exactly the same way. I, I'd say that um, what I find is the recovery, even like the physicality, but it's the recovery uh, time okay. now. Okay. Um, when I, I'm just recovering from an injury at the moment, by the way, um, I've broken a foot, but nothing related oh. to horses. Um, but it's kept me on crutches for six weeks. I've come off and the doctor said, you can't ride for another four weeks. So I'm walking with a limp, but I'm doing the horses. So, um, and I'll, I'll start working then very sure, but it, it just recovery time for any injury just okay. takes forever now. It, right. it, I used to, be, I had broken feet before from horses jumping on them, never took me this long to recover. And yeah. um, it's partly because I've now been diagnosed with osteoporosis. And with that diagnosis, um, it's made me a little bit more fearful of actually having accidents with horses. Yes. And so um, I, I've, um, you know, you mentioned about the right horse and I've been now looking for the last 18 months for mm. the right horse. And I've travelled, you know, up to Queensland. It's a you know, seven-hour drive four or five times. I've travelled down to Victoria. I've travelled down to Cowra, all sorts of places looking for that right horse and it's all about temperament for me I'm not as worried about the movement if I can have something that's got a sweet sensible sort of temperament you know that's what I'm looking for and I found it extraordinarily difficult um partly because I don't uh, and I think it's partly because people don't realize when you're older that you are that much more sensitive about trying not to fall Sure. Because when you're younger, you don't think about it as much. Yeah. You just go, oh, that's part of riding. Mm. When you're older and particularly with osteoporosis and doctors saying you should not ride anymore, you're sort of going, I just got to try and I want to ride still, but I don't want to be on something that's really risky. Um, I'm very lucky that the horse I've got at the moment, although she has her issues, um, she, um, you know, we know each other. And I think somebody else commented on that. You know, you get to know each other and I know when she's going to, do something that I'm not going to be happy with. Mm. It's a little bit more of a warning now so I can prepare for stuff. But it, it's just that whole thing. But I sort of go, I'm hoping I'll be riding at least for the next 15 years, but I certainly won't be buying any young horses. And I've been, you know, and I've been looking and spending, looking at spending big money to get that. Yeah. I think will be my one last horse. And I don't want to compete. I just want to go to clinics and be improving myself and have fun with it. That's why I said temperament for me is everything. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I'm hearing here is that there's a serious market for trainers and or breeders to be developing these types of horses, you know. It's it's coming through loud and clear that temperament, 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 isn't it? Mm. Mm. But it is because, I mean, I think most amateur riders, you know, need to have horses that are sensible. Yeah. It's not, I think somebody else mentioned that it's not just about our age, it, that it, it's right. about having horses that are suitable for the majority of the market. Yeah. Um, but all I think, and the point of this podcast is around when you're a mature rider, you just have so many more risks that you're trying to deal with. Yeah. So, you know, that that's what it, it's about. But yeah. You know, loss of confidence, that fear, the recovery time being so much more, I think they're all common issues that we've all expressed. Mm. And also I think just the your motivations for writing are obviously so much uh, sort of clearer and more defined and more specific. It sounds like it's not really so much about the competition. Sure, like Helen said, she sort of decided she's probably not going to go to the Olympics now. And so having that kind of clarity, I think, around your goals helps you then, you know, decide on what sort of horse is is suitable. And obviously you're not going to go for the crazy and volatile horse just because it's an incredible mover, you know, yeah, which is it's easy to get caught up in in that sort of thing. You know, and I I guess sort of following on from that point, I, I have contemplated as whether I just buy a really, really top horse and then get somebody professional to ride and whether I'd get the same amount of pleasure from that. Oh, that's and interesting. The answer at the moment is, no, no, I want to keep riding. Yeah. I just would like it to, so that I'd like going to those clinics. I like that camaraderie of the clinics and the people that you go. And, and remembering I'm in a slightly different situation, both Sue and Helen, is that I, I live like to compete anywhere. I'm looking at at least an hour and a half to two hour drive. Like, yeah official comms and to go to sydney it's a six hour trip you know Mm. um to go to brisbane it's an eight hour trip so there's all these things about you know it's a big deal to go and compete so Mm. when we you know go up to nana Glen or to grafton or to you know alexander park you're always going to be camping over so it's Mm. a whole different arrangement and it's been fantastic we you know there's a whole group of us that go away together yeah okay isn't that lovely yeah Mm. so are you all having your horses at home with you yes yeah and and do you think that you have you ever thought about the pros and cons of doing that um as a more mature rider versus having the horse boarded somewhere where you can have a bit more balance and less of that day-to-day sort of work how does that sit with you um, I guess could I just sort of say I, I think um, both Sue and Helen have reflected on this as well. I actually enjoy the physical activity of going out every morning. My horses are in the paddock out the back. Um, I go out, I feed them, I pick up all the manure because I'm on small acreage and I pick that up and then I rug, unrug, all those sorts of things. And I think that helps keep you fit. And so I don't want to have my horses with somebody else I find the whole, it is a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. And so having horses elsewhere, and by the way, I have worked with that model before when I lived in a city because I've moved to the country more recently. Right. I used to have my horses adjusted with somebody else and I'd still go out and ride every day. Yeah. There's a very different relationship with the horse yeah. as well as with what you do. Yeah. So I've done both. Yeah. 
Um, Helen, Sue, what do you what are your feelings on that? Is, it, is having the horses at home part yeah. of the joy? Uh, well, it is. Yes, I mean it's part of hanging out with them, which I like. I do cheat because I have someone who comes in during the week and does the boxes because I really would lose the will to live mucking out boxes every morning. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's a tie. You know, I mean, I've now got my mother-in-law living here and her granddaughter took after, and it's, it's a time a time yeah. thing. Um, but I look after them at the weekend. I do them at the weekend. And it's nice. It's, you know, they know you who you are. I mean, I, I, there's something about just turning up to a horse, slapping a saddle on it, riding it and going away again that, that loses the soul yeah. of why we do what we do in Parliament. It's just sometimes I just like looking at them. Yeah. <laughs> Panic ornament. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree with both Jackie and Helen that, um, I have thought about, you know, if if all of the work of the property got too much, um, would I adjust and just go pay someone to do all of that? But I don't think I would. I um, I like the connection with the horse, and even if I don't, if my daughter does feeds one night, I feel mildly disconnected. <laughs> Yeah. the next day because i haven't seen them um yeah yeah that's uh, yeah so it's all it's all part of the joy and the lifestyle like you said originally. yeah okay i just want to pop in for a moment to let you know that just like the writers today on the podcast you can be a part of our community as well by enrolling in brett parvary's dressage breakthrough program enrollments are open now and we'd love to welcome you no matter what level of dressage you're currently at if you have a goal to improve, then this program's for you. Find out more and get in touch with us at performancewriters.com. Now, back to the conversation. Uh, ladies, can I ask you, over the years that you've been invo- involved in horse sports, how you've seen things change, you know, in dressage mm. or other sports? How have things changed over those years you've been involved? I wrote a whole paragraph on this just before we started you? because... Because I was looking at the experiences, and I was remembering, I used to I started riding on ponies on the Gravesend marshes, which I realised many years later had been rounded up from culls from the UK native ponies to go to the French horse meat market. <laughs> so, but occasionally oh they God. would stick a couple of them in this riding school, right. and we would ride down there. But, you know, again, there was the camaraderie of other kids. It was so unsafe. When I look back on it now, one of the worst scars I had was from following up on those horses. But we would ride down to the forge. You rode to the forge and the blacksmith put the shoes on the horse while you were there. So that was a fun morning when I yeah. hung about, playing around. So that that's a massive change. Yeah. I think that um, uh, horses have become more accessible, actually. Mm-hmm. Because it was very much, certainly in the UK, a rich man's sport. Uh, when I came to Australia, it was they were working animals, so they were treated in a slightly different way. Mm. What what I reflect on, and, and also my experience civil service riding, because that was in the Royal Mews, so we were mixing with the Queen's equerries and grooms and, and those horses who had a specific job. But what I think those people have in common with a lot of the Australian country bush people too is a lot of knowledge has gone because they now ride motorbikes and that knowledge isn't going down from father to son or mother to daughter or whatever they've become less of a working animal here 
And I watched that change and I watched a lot of that innate experience, which I'm sure Sue and Jackie have too, that we move around horses in a particular way because knowing how to handle them is so subconscious in our DNA now Mm. after 60 odd years. And when you watch someone inexperienced approaching a horse, you can just go, oh, you know, that's that knowledge is so hard to pass on. So those are changes that I think, I've seen there's a lot more urban horse ownership, mm-hmm. which has changed how we keep horses. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, mine are quite pampered, but I like Jackie. I'm on small acreage, so it has to be managed a particular way. So that's possibly changed to them being chucked out in a big paddock. Mm. Um, and I think we look after them so well that my horse at 21 still looks like a useful working horse like yeah. us we're better we're aging better mm. whereas before they might have just I mean they were considered old and had it by 20 really yeah. weren't they? I mean, they're mm. doing really well if they got to 20 yeah. so I think nutrition and the way we physically manage all competition horses not just dressage horses mm. has changed and um, attitudes I, I have seen I mean I just come back from 10 days riding in Montana which just about killed me because it's very steep and those horses you know they they work from I think May till October and then they're chucked out literally in the wilderness I mean this property was right next to Yellowstone where they're contending with mountain cats and bears and all the rest of it and they don't get fed out that much unless it's really bad and you know they said to us so your horse will either be one of the ones that charges at a bear or runs away and I couldn't really decide which one I'd prefer to be honest So they manage their horses, you know, in the bush there in the country differently as well. There's still great sense of them as working animals in the in the States, which yeah. I think I've sensed as lost here and lost there. So that's been a big change, I think. Mm. In, uh, it makes me feel really bloody old, but, I mean, they were working. Well, I can remember the, the Coleman coming down my grandparents' street in the milkman with horse-drawn. Mm horse drawn uh, you know hammer, and standing there with a bucket and spade my grandfather made me run out to pick up the manure for the roses <laughs> That's you know, amazing. Well, just, so yeah. that role of the horse in society is really changed yeah i think mm. so mm. jackie so what, what do, what um do i guess i was going to say the thing that i've noticed most is that um there's so many more professional riders out mm-hmm. there too, yeah um, and it, it's become a much more professional industry about riding as yeah. opposed to people that worked with horses in the past. Mm. Okay, so I, I agree with what Helen was saying. There were much more workhorses at multi-purpose. You'd take the horse and do a show, but you'd also be with work horse. Now there's a lot more professional riders, and I was very appreciative of when, um, and I don't know whether it was in all states, but at least in New South Wales, they created the amateur owner rider. Oh, company, yeah. Um, which enabled us amateurs to actually go out there and, and yeah. ride horses because we were just not competitive against professionals. Yeah. And so I was very grateful for that. Um, so great that's, great it, point, though. I mean, the professional dressage rider it, in Australia. It's, yeah, It's just like you look at all the competitions now and the majority of people are professionals. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it's quite interesting. But the other thing, and I'm picking up on something that um, I think Helen just talked about, I actually coach at Riding for Disabled as well. And just that whole, um, we had a lot of people come along as volunteers who are doing it because they have to. And their lack of knowledge of 
being around horses in particular is yeah. quite extraordinary. And I, I sort of find managing those things is quite different as well. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of people that have absolutely no experience of horses at all whereas when I was growing up there it just seemed that people knew more about horses back then I I don't know whether because I went to a pony club because I didn't I I only went to riding schools because I lived in Sydney and we didn't we didn't have horses I didn't get my first horse I was in my 20s so you know but people just don't seem they come along and terrified anyway yeah. it's quite interesting to watch but yeah, that, professionalism uh, the professional rider is the biggest change I've yeah made. yeah yeah so what about you what have you noticed changing over the years um I come probably more from the eventing jumping background rather than the straight dressage background although I've always done some straight dressage all the way through however I think what I have noticed is that, um, yes, we have the professional riders now, uh, which we didn't have very many of in the past, but we also have um, a lot of expensive horses uh, and very well cared for horses. I think the horse welfare has uh, Mm -hmm. changed Uh, People value their horses. They're not just the working horse now. Um, They are a sport horse. uh, And we're aware that there are groups that are watching what we do with our horses and how they're treated. And, um, you know, we we treat them incredibly well. They are looked after to the nth degree um, in most cases. Um, the surfaces that we work on, you know, in days gone by, we we would be working on shocking surfaces. Yeah. Even in the dressage ring, there'd be great puddles and holes and, you know, slippery grass and whatever. You just went and rode on whatever it was. Yeah. Whereas that wouldn't, doesn't wash anymore. Uh, Now we have really good surfaces in most cases and that, applies in the jumping arenas too. They just won't jump if the surfaces are not good. Yeah, yeah. So you get a couple of venues that are very popular uh, and a lot of the smaller venues are just not Mm. uh, running shows anymore. They will go to Bonio Park or they'll go to Werribee. They don't run at all the small or local places. Yeah, Uh, that's interesting. So maybe those those little clubs, yeah, face some challenges to remain viable. Well, I think they still the clubs are still in existence, but they run their shows at oh, the good venues with the good mm-hmm. surfaces mm-hmm. Um, and the good facilities. Because otherwise, if they run at a show, a show somewhere that's not up to standard, they don't they don't get the entries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, mm. yeah, I, I pretty much have to go to Bonio Park or Werribee. Um, hour and a half yeah. either way, just because that's where all the clubs run their shows now yeah. around yeah. us. Yeah. Mm. Um, last question for you, ladies. Can I ask you what the next 10, 15, 20, whatever years <laughs> holds for you in terms of your riding? Sue, you want to start? Uh, I'm hoping that I get another good five years and 
I've got a lovely little horse now. Um, I would say to people, don't waste time with horses that you don't get on with or don't really like. Um, make a decision. Like I made a decision four times with my last horse and ended up keeping him for five years. And in the end, I sold him. Mm. It wasn't working for me. Mm. Um, but the one I have now, he's he's lovely. I love him to bits. Um, and I would really love, um, I hope to be doing elementary by the end of next year. He's four and a half now. He's, I figure, prelim for six months, novice for half or more than half next year and hopefully we get an elementary start by the end of next year mm. um, and you know I would love to be doing medium and, or advanced with that little horse in a you know in another couple of years time yeah so that's yeah great. that's reminded me of the coaching session we had with Mary Hannah who yeah. you know obviously she's at that Olympic level but she's so decisive with her horse and yeah. her horse selection and if she as soon as it's not working for her she's like I don't have long enough done that horse is for yeah. someone else I find a more suitable horse for me I yeah. mean it's incredible the way she does that yeah, yeah. uh Helen what's the what are the years ahead have in store <laughs> for your riding uh, well I'm, I'm hoping I'll get another couple of years out of fairy I would like to get a decent or a couple of decent medium scores it, it's yeah. good at home falls apart competitions because she's crafty and old. This is a disadvantage <laughs> yes. to old horses. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> she's yeah. like, I get in round and out here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's that's kind of hard. I'd like to keep trail riding. I'm hoping to bring Rain on, who's Tadiana's filly. And I, I don't know that she's got it for the pony dress. I was like, Taddy did, but I'll give it a go. Yeah. Um, and I might, I might go for some working equitation on her. Oh, nice. Suits those more Baroque style of horses yeah. and hopefully teach my granddaughter and any mm -hmm. others to come on her because she's only six, so she's got yeah. a long period of life and I hope that they'll, I'll always have a horse in the back garden to go and pat. Oh, I love that. That's such <laughs> a nice image. Jackie, what about you? Um, well, I'm hoping that I'll be riding for another 10 to 15 years, I'm hoping, yeah. um, and that's why I'm sort of looking for a horse to replace my current horse because yes. while she's only um, 16, I sort of know that she has got some leg issues and so I wanted to have something, which is why I've been looking to sort of, yeah. um, sort of fay, you know, give her a retirement that she deserves because she's been really good for me. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I will keep looking and hopefully find something. I did buy an off-the-track thoroughbred, but that oh. just, well, that was just to be a companion because I didn't want Wish to be by herself because... Right. Um, I, and so he's he's actually really really quiet, right? And um, and he just keeps her settled. So it's been it's worked out. But he's not, you know, he's not going to be. I'm hoping that I will be able to train him to be a riding for disabled horse. As oh, lovely career. Nice. Um, because he really is the quietest horse I've come across yeah. in many many years. <laughs> um, so but anyway, I'm on the lookout for a, a horse to replace Wish. Yeah. And as I said, I'm happy to pay appropriate amount of money to get one that's already at medium because I'm sort of worked out I don't have that many years left and I'm not a very good horse trainer I'd rather be the rider yeah jump in there again enjoy it <laughs> oh good luck with the horse search we'll, we'll see <laughs> thank you so much ladies it was real pleasure hearing about your stories and getting your perspectives and uh 
I'm looking forward to uh, the next 10, 20 years for me in the saddle after listening to that. I'm like, yep, take me straight there. More time, (laughs) more freedom. Sounds wonderful. More money. (laughs) The whole thing. And just a little, yeah, maybe we need a small trampoline to get off the saddle (laughs) onto. That would help. It's just inelegant, you know. I just make sure no one's looking. Yeah. (laughs) I've actually trained. I've trained my horse to come up to the mounting block so I can yeah. step off. Oh, yeah. wonderful! Because um, because the last injury was I couldn't. I can't. I'm not. I'm not allowed to jump off a horse anymore. Yeah. I've really got to not land on a leg, and so I step off. And so yeah. she's got to move that's around, right. and she's got to stand stock still, and she does it. So that's it's just a problem when I'm at somebody else's place. Yeah, they don't always <laughs> have a bench. It's yeah. good that we can actually train them to suit our needs too, because they don't care. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. But no one cares. So they're good. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much, ladies. Enjoy the rest Thank of your you day. Nat. You all too, right. Then. Talk yeah. to you all soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye.